What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Today, I'm going to be joined by Sam Mastin again. We've had him on the podcast before, a former Colorado Gatorade 5A Player of the Year. Started his career over at Northern Colorado, recently transferred out to Northern State. He is going to be uh, kind of shadowing me throughout the summer. We're going to have him on talking basketball. He's just sort of learning the ins and outs of what we do. I'm really looking forward to it. He's a great guy. He's honestly such a natural on the mic, and he just knows a ton about basketball. So it's it's fun to get on. It's fun to catch up with him. Um, before I get to that interview, I'm going to briefly talk about a big-time transfer that's come into CSU football. I'm going to focus more on that in the coming days. Also, I have a written piece with some video cutouts just kind of breaking it down. Uh, CSU picking up a really, really impressive transfer in David Bailey Jr. He actually led Boston College in rushing each of the last two seasons. I did some of his best work under Steve Adazio and running back coach Brian White in 2019. Averaged 5.7 yards a carry that year. Uh, has you know gotten eight touchdowns from scrimmage in each of the last two seasons. A versatile guy. Honestly, a lot more versatile than I expected. You know, I kind of expected him to be just a traditional you know power back. He's definitely best suited between the tackles, but he has great vision. He's really shifty. He's deceptively, you know, pretty quick. And he's just a tank in the open field. He's really hard to bring down. So it was fun to go through some of those highlights and write about, you know, the impact that he can have for this team. If you are a DNVR member, make sure you check that out. It'll be up on the site by the time that you listen to this podcast. Exciting stuff, man. That that running back by committee approach should be really, really solid for CSU this year. You know, I do think Bailey will kind of be that running back one, the the lead guy that gets the most carries. I, I still expect Marcus McElroy to be, you know, a pretty big factor. Same thing goes for like Ajon Vivens and, you know, Tanner Hollins, the kid out of Columbine. I, I think he has a really bright future. Uh, he's just so explosive and he's a really good athlete. I think they can use him in the screen game. I think you can use him a little bit as a receiver coming out of the backfield. They got a lot of good guys. I mean, even Christian Hunter, some of these other guys, Jalen Thomas that have played in the bat in the past, just a lot of really, really good running backs in that room right now. And that's encouraging because, you know, that's going to be the foundation of this offense's success. You know, it's kind of been all about the passing offense the last, really, I mean, going back to like 2012 under McElwain. I mean, obviously Capri did some great stuff, but, you know, he was definitely about spreading the field out and, you know, kind of airing it out. And now we've seen that identity shift under Adazio. They're trying to get a little bit tougher in the trenches. They're trying to be a little bit nastier. You know, that kind of grind it out, smash mouth football type approach, play good defense, run the football for four plus yards to carry and just kind of set the tone physically and, and control possession and all of that. And, you know, you can be really successful. You can win a lot of games that way, but you have to be really consistent and so obviously, you know, running the ball is going to be very important in that. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it all plays out. But I am looking forward to it. You know, fall camp get, can't get here soon enough. After only getting four games last fall, only one in four Collins. I'm just, I'm jonesing for some football right now. You know, I'm, I'm really itching to go. It was also the first fall that I didn't attend a Broncos game in person since uh, 2000. So just a real lack of football in my life over the last, you know, 18 months or so. And I've hated it. And I'm just really excited for it to be back. This is a, this is a team that's going to have a lot of talent. I mean, ultimately, you know, a lot of it is going to come down to the quarterback and what Todd Santeo's 
you know, able to do when it comes to leading this offense, but I expect the offensive line to be much improved. It, it, it showed, you know, promise last year, but I think with some of the guys that they brought in and some of the guys that they returned, they should be pretty stout, have really solid rotation of seven to eight guys to make an impact. Obviously, Trey and Dante are going to do big things. I got big expectations for Ty McCullough, wide receiver. Some of these other tight ends even, you know, Polendi, the transfer out of Miami, Gary Williams. Cam Butler is going to be healthy. I mean, there are a lot of really intriguing skill options on this team. And I think as a whole, there's a lot more talent than even CSU fans are giving them credit for, but definitely everyone else. Excuse me, sneeze there. Allergy season's absolutely killing me. But, you know, I'm going to get into that in the coming days. I'm going to really break down, you know, what I expect this offense to look like. I've, you know, kind of watched a lot of old Boston college games over the last year to just really get a sense of, you know, what Adazio likes to do offensively. And I feel like I'm starting to get there. Obviously, things are going to be a little bit different with John Budmeyer being the offensive coordinator. Uh, but I just think, you know, they're going to be pretty in sync when it comes to what they want to do. Wisconsin did a lot of similar things schematically and, and just from a, a foundation and, you know, being a run first football team. But like I said, you know, I'll get into that in the coming days. I'm going to get to that interview uh, with Sam here. Before I do, though, sure, you're probably hearing how great mortgage rates are right now. Mike and Virginia, they are not your typical mortgage company. They've got phenomenal rates, but what makes them different is Mike is a certified financial planner. They look at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. On top of that, they're a small family-owned company. You're always going to feel like a person, not a number. And you got to love that when you're dealing with something as stressful as, you know, refinancing, buying a, a new home. That's not an easy process, you know. Normally, you'd probably rather go get a root canal or go spend time in Laramie, root for the Dodgers, but that's just because you haven't worked with Mike in Virginia. Trust me, they will make this process smooth, quick, and enjoyable. It's going to be a delight. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. If you want to give Mike a call directly, you can at 970-412-2472, or again, just visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage, we've got Sam Mastin back on the program. We're going to have him throughout the summer, really looking forward to it, and, and we're going over all kinds of stuff, NBA, college basketball. It's going to be a blast. Sam, how you doing, my man? I mean, you, you we talked a little bit before we started recording, but how is summer life and a little bit of time off treating you? Yeah, man, I'm doing, I'm doing well. It's been a... Uh... First time in a while, like I said in the last time that I've had a I've had a summer, and so I've had a couple of weeks now to just kind of hang out. And I've just been working out on my own time, and uh, it's been really nice. It's been really nice to catch up with some old friends and just kind of hang around my family and stuff. Because throughout the season, you don't get to see them a whole lot. So yeah, man, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm taking full advantage of it to say the least. So it's been fun. You know, where do you where do you get most of your work in right now? Do you go back to like your high school gym and shoot? Do you go to like a private gym? What does that kind of look like? Yeah, I usually just go back to my high school, uh, Rock Canyon, um, or the rec centers by my house. It's kind of tough right now in terms of like training and stuff like that because some pla- a lot of places still aren't like fully, fully open. And so there's a lot, there's like schedule and there's, you know, size restrictions and capacity. And so it's kind of hard just to 
go anywhere you want and go shoot. So I kind of have to be like strategic about it. Um, like just the night before, I'll just fire off some texts, like my old coaches and stuff and just make sure I can get into the gym and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I've been fortunate. It hasn't been too much of a problem. And then obviously with gyms opening up more as of recent, like it's given me more opportunity to go out and like play pickup and start doing stuff like that. So that's been nice. I played my, my first game of pickup in like two, like two weeks ago. And that was a glorious sight because it's been, <laughs> it's, I legit think it's been 13 months since I've seen like 10, just old dudes running up and down the floor, just randomly in a, in a wreck. So that was, it was, it was great to see, honestly, it was a great sight to see. Do college coaches encourage pickup games or are they kind of, I guess like, could you develop bad habits playing against lesser competition? Yeah, I, I, it kind of, I, I would summarize it as it basically depends on who you're playing against. Um, okay. Because I think there's a lot of bad habits. You can, it honestly, it doesn't even matter. It matters who you're playing against, but it also matters like how much dudes are like willing to compete and stuff like that. Cause if the guys are just out there, just kind of running around, just dinking around, it's not really, I feel like that's, it just develops bad habits. Um, in terms of like coaches getting upset, like I wouldn't, I don't, I don't really think so. I think, I mean, for my personal philosophy, it's like basketball is basketball, you know, and it's like, I mean, yeah. you can kind of be in a gym, just shooting by yourself as much as you want, which is obviously good. But at the same time, like it also does you a ton of benefit to go out and play and, you know, get live reps and stuff like that. And obviously I think too, like pick up more than anything, it just puts the fun back in the game. Um, because at that level, like basketball is just such a business. And so I think it's like, when you go out and just play with your buddies or play with guys you've known forever, just at the gym, I think that's what makes, makes the game fun and puts that love and joy back into it again. Do you ever notice, especially, you know, with guys at rec centers that maybe played a little bit of high school ball, but don't play, don't, you know, currently play college ball or didn't get that opportunity that they try and go like a little bit harder against you when they find out like, Oh, this is a scholarship basketball player. Cause I would see that at the CSU rec center every now and then, like, you know, somebody from the team would come play and people that are frequently there playing, you know, the, the rec superstars are like, Oh, you know, here's my opportunity to shine. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely, there's, you'd be surprised. I mean, obviously I'm sure, you know, a little bit, but there's a lot of dudes that like don't play college basketball um, that grew up either. They probably played it in high school, but grew up playing other sports and stuff. They're actually like really good. Um, you know, there are definitely some dudes of, that could probably play at a lower level. if they Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's guys that you'll just go to a random gym and you'll be like, that dude could for sure play, you know, division three, division two, somewhere around that level, you know, if you really wanted to. Um, and I think a lot of it is just like his natural, they're like natural athleticism and then just have a little bit of skill. It's like, you know, if you put two, three months and dedicated them solely to basketball, it's like they could definitely play at the collegiate level if they wanted to. So I, yeah, I would, to answer your question, I would say yes. Um, I think those kind of guys always like, I think they're doing it not only to prove to others, but like maybe even to like see to themselves, like if they made a mistake by not going to play in college, like if they're like, you know, they, they play well, they're like, Oh dude, I, I should have done this. Like I, I played myself or something like that, you know? Yeah. That kind of self-validation. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was all, we weren't, I wasn't like planning on talking about that, but it, it just kind of came to mind when you started talking about the wreck and stuff. I don't, I, I'm glad that there's just going to be, opportunities again like you said it's just good to see people playing basketball I'm not much of a runner like running is punishment for the most part but I love pickup basketball it's just a good way to get cardio yeah no that's uh that's that's my only that's been my only source of cardio for the last let's see I'm 21 so for the past 18 years that's been my only source of cardio um because yeah I'm with you I I mean I can't just sit there and just like run like it doesn't do anything for me but it's like I think basketball too, it, it like takes away, you don't feel as, I mean, obviously you feel tired, but the more and more you get in the flow of the game, like you're so worried on like the actual part of the game that you don't really think about the exercise. And so I think that's why it's the best way to do it. 
Agreed. And it's just like, it's nice to get that competitive outlet. I mean, especially for people like me, you know what I mean? You, you get yeah. to compete all the time and you have that outlet, but if you're just a, a Joe Schmo like me, it's like, Oh, I get to feel, uh, I get to feel that drive a little bit again. No. Yeah, definitely. 100. I, yeah, I agree. 100%. You know, let's kind of, let's talk about this situation with, with fans because obviously it's been, you know, in the news with the Russell Westbrook popcorn situation, you know, people yelling stuff at mellow, I think some other dude like went on the court in DC. It's just kind of been an absurd time for fans. Like what, what was your reaction to all that? Were, were you surprised at all to see that? Or is it, I mean, what kind of atmospheres have you experienced as a basketball player? I, I was surprised in the sense of like, because we've been in the house for so long and this is everybody's first time being back on the court. I feel like people's general reaction to the whole, like everything open up would be to be, happy you know or joyful more yeah. so to speak. but it's like <laughs> so i was thrown off in their guard where like everybody just got so pissed off like all these act all these acts were just acts of violence and hatred and i was kind of surprised because i was like i feel like it should be good vibes in the air like i mean your team wins or loses it's like at least you get to be you know at an event i think this whole year kind of shifted a lot of people's perspectives or at least i thought um but yeah i mean my whole opinion on the on my whole take on the whole thing is like when you think about it, it's pretty, I mean, obviously everybody knows that if these fans weren't protected by a railing or, you know, they weren't 30 rows away from the guy, they, you know, if they just saw him walking down the street downtown, they, I mean, a guy Not wouldn't just dump that. popcorn on Russell Westbrook no, yeah. because like, I think everybody would know how that would end. Um, and so I think it's, it's just funny to me because it's like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have already mentioned this, but it's just funny because it's a lot of people just using they just do it in the sense that they know there's no repercussions. And so it's like, you know, if you put somebody, yeah, kind of like what I was saying, if you put somebody in a street setting and they go out there and dump popcorn or throw a water at somebody, it's like, they're going to get, they're going to get the shit kicked out of them, you know? And so it's just like stuff like that's funny to me because they would never do it. Um, and you know, as a player, like that's always, I mean, I've experienced, um, stuff like that. It's never been, you know, it's quite to the extreme of like getting food dumped on your stuff. Mine was always just like verbal stuff. And I think that's almost worse some of the time. That's just part of the game, you know. Well, like depending on what you say, I mean, I guess like I I love the razzing. Like I Um, love a hostile crowd, but obviously, like when I mean, you get people yelling like really nasty stuff or like you know racist type stuff. Then there's obviously the line, but yeah. Um, And mine, mine more so goes back to like high school Um, because when I was in college, like I obviously played and stuff like that, but I was never like the guy on our team, you know. Yeah. So. I feel like that's ten, that tends to be people's like main target is always the guy, you know, it's like, if you're, if you're the nuggets are visiting a town, it's like, nobody's going to go after, you know, Faku or somebody like that. They're <laughs> going to go after like Jokic or uh, Jamal Murray or somebody like that. But going back to kind of when I was in high school, like there was a lot of times where we played some like really packed gyms and there'd be dudes like probably a foot away from me, you know, just like right on the court when I was inbounding the ball or something. And it's like, you know, I mean, obviously it was never, it never crossed my mind to do anything like this, but it's like, if somebody, you know, if somebody was just running their mouth, I like without a doubt could just turn around and just like hit them, you know, like that's how close they were to me. Um, and so it was always just like, it was tough. I mean, it was a lot of like self-control and like the whole thing for me was I was never one to like instigate back with the crowd. Um, just because I kind of just, they would kind of say a bunch of stuff. And then after a while it kind of would just go away. It was more so like a first four or five minutes of the game type thing. And then as the game went on, they saw that I wasn't like retaliating. They kind of would just mellow it down. Um, 
Well, you as know, soon as you retaliate, like, then they're in your head, and then yeah, you know, and then they're I, just yeah, keep going. I mean, fans like that, it's just like you know, if they see that it visibly like affects you, obviously they're going to keep doing it. That's just a natural human reaction. Um, and obviously, there's some guys, you know, I mean, you look at Trey Young, like he he fed off that, you know, and it, I mean, it fed the whole narrative of the series. And so, I think it just kind of depends on who you are and how you want to handle it. But I definitely think the NBA needs to do something. And I guess if I had to guess. They can't just say, just let them go fight. I mean, I've heard a lot of hilarious takes about how they should just let them fight, which I honestly, I'm all aboard that. But I mean, in terms of realistic uh, changes they need to make, I would just say something along the lines of just strengthen the punishment. You know, I mean, you could even go along. I mean, like with the Celtics, when they charged the guy with assault or like took him to court because of that, I think something like that would just be, would be a good way to do it. Or I heard an interesting one the other day too, where they talked about like, if a guy does something like that, the next game, that team's not allowed to have any fans at all. Well, that's what they do in Europe in a lot of European soccer leagues. And obviously, I mean, that's like a whole different ball game. Like there are places in Europe where people are like shooting flares in the stadium and, and yeah. shit like that. That's insane. But I mean, honestly, it, it'd be drastic, but it'd probably be effective because it's just one of those situations where it only takes a couple of bad people to ruin this for everyone. So sometimes you got to really you know, swing that hammer and just kind of set the precedent. Like, we're not going to take this shit. No. Yeah. And I think when fans do something like what they've been doing, they in their heads, they kind of think they're doing that fan base a favor by you yeah. know, trying to instigate something with the other player. But then it's like, if they realize that, Oh, I did this and now nobody's allowed to go to the next game. Then it's like, Oh, I just let down the whole entire fan base. And then you got a lot of pissed off people and it just doesn't end well. So I, I think that would definitely be a good way to go too. That's another opportunity that the NBA could look into. It's going to be interesting. I'll be, I don't, it was, it was kind of funny to me, I guess, because the, the first incident I saw was actually, it didn't have anything to do with the, the stuff being thrown. It was Mello after game one got into it with one of the fans. And I'm sure the fan was saying something nasty because he looked pretty pissed off. Um, and they were obviously like booing him throughout the game. And everyone on NBA Twitter, you know, they're like, oh man, like these awful Denver fans, they're booing. And then now, like in retrospect, of all the things they could have done, like booing's not that big of a deal. Like at least they weren't yeah. throwing stuff at him or charging onto the court. No, one hundred percent. And like fans are good for sports. Like I mean, I, everybody would agree after watching you know the last couple months of having people back in the building. Like fans are good for sports, and I think that whole the narrative of like one guy's the villain and the entire fan base is out to get him in terms of like verbal abuse and stuff like that. I think that's good for sports. But it's like, obviously, when you cross the line and throw something and there's like physical harm that could be done to this player, that's when it crosses the line. I've, there's a line, but I'm all I'm all for like, you know, a good, good smack talk. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't been in the stands at other sporting events throughout my career and I've, have let some opposing players have it a little bit. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's good for sports, but there's a line and obviously you can't cross that line. I think we've been seeing guys cross the line. So it just kind of depends on knowing what that line is and making sure that Everybody keeps it cool, keeps it respectable. I don't know, man. I kind of agree with you in a sense of, I know violence isn't the answer and I'm not going to come on this public platform and be like condone violence. But I don't know. There are times in society where people just, they probably deserve to get punched in the face. And these are like one of those instances. And I mean, we saw with the malice at the palace in you know, 2004, like I got to imagine fans were pretty hesitant to start stuff after seeing Rashid Wallace go into the stands and run our test, you know, putting people in a chokehold. Yeah. And I, for me too, the part that's the most baffling about this whole situation is obviously, I guess the NBA is one of the more popular sport leagues in America. Um, 
but or in the world rather. But I don't get, like the people that these fans are going after are just specimens of human beings. Like these guys are yeah. huge. They're not and normal like, guys. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, I get maybe if you go after like a five eleven baseball player. I mean, you probably would definitely still get still get beat up. But it's like I would rather take a little five eleven baseball player as compared to you know Carmelo Anthony or somebody like who's six eight or Russell Westbrook who's just an absolute freak. He's like six four and just ripped. So I, I've always thought that was a little baffling too throughout these last couple of weeks. I just don't get why. People are going like going after the people they're going after because it's like I'm not a math major or a statistical analysis guy, but if I had to if I had to predict who I think would win that fight out of a hundred times, I would I would pick Russell Westbrook. You know, it's like guys like that. I, it just makes no sense to me. I think a lot of it comes down to when you're in the setting, like as a sports fan, and you're watching the product. You know, they kind of stop viewing players as humans. You know what I mean? It's more yeah. like it's like, this is what it is. You know what I mean? That's part of it. Like they're the players, we're the fans, but you know, like you're saying at the end of the day, this is still just like a six foot eight, 240 pound dude. Like he could pick you up with one hand if he wanted to. No. Yeah. 100%. 100%. It's going to be interesting. What, what's your opinion on the mellow situation? Are you, you know, you obviously grew up locally, you know, you were alive for the good mellow years. Are you a pro mellow guy? Are you anti mellow? You know, how do you feel about it? I, I am. I'm a, I'm a mellow fan. Um, I think in the sense like them booing, I, I mean, I get it, but I also kind of think we should have shown them a little bit more respect just in the sense of like, I think mellow, you could make the argument in a sense that mellow kind of brought the nuggets back a little bit. He kind oh, of he did. Laid, Absolutely. He revitalized the entire yeah, franchise. And you know, I mean, when they went to the Western conference finals, I think it was like, Oh nine um, with him and Chauncey and they lost to the Lakers and four, like just I wasn't that on him run and like everything that he did for the organization, like he made the nuggets kind of prevalent again. Uh, I think totally. I, honestly, you can make the case. He made them prevalent for the first time ever. And so I think it, him doing that. And then the fact that, you know, him still being around and still doing what he's doing at his age, like, I think that commends a little bit more respect and deserves a little bit more uh, praise than what the fans of Denver have been showing him. I think he did a lot for this city um, throughout his time. And obviously, you know, people might be, you know, salty or whatever about when he went to New York. Cause I mean, that definitely was a, it was a big move at the time. And a lot of people felt hurt by that. But at the same time, I think when you look at his body of work and what he did for the city and for the organization, I think he definitely deserves a little bit more respect than what we've been giving him. I'll say this. I mean, as far as the Nuggets and like he he made them relevant, you know. I, I don't know yeah. if first time ever is accurate because they had some runs with Matumbo in the 90s and even in the ABA with like English and David Thompson and all these like legends. I didn't get to witness it, but I just know their history or whatever. But um, you know, I wouldn't have cared about the NBA if it wasn't for Carmelo Anthony. They were absolutely terrible. I remember like early 2000 Nuggets games. I remember they won like 11 games one year. It was basically yeah. unwatchable. He comes in, creates an entire generation of Nuggets fans. I think the the thing that makes most fans so sour with him is just kind of, you know, he kind of crapped on Denver on the way out. It wasn't an instance of like, I just want out. It's basically just like, this city sucks. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Took it personally. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, he was he was a great player. I think he'll get loved down the line. Yeah. He's probably I think not so. while he's playing I think for so Portland. Too. I think, too, it's a combination of like, kind of like you were saying, the way he left and then his whole just kind of, like persona um, and kind of people feel view him as kind of being a guy who's trying to get his own and, you know, 
kind of relish in his own glory right now in the last, the later stages of his career. But like you said, I think when it's all, and then obviously too, I mean, it's a, this is a big playoff series. This is a big year for the Nuggets. And so it's very, you know, heated times for everybody. Um, but like you said, when it, when he retires and he hangs it up, I think people will look back and really appreciate everything that he did. Um, that's kind of always how it goes. Like when you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. Um, and so I think when he, when it's all said and done, I think the city of Denver and the Nuggets fan base will definitely look back and be more appreciative towards him than what we were during this whole, this whole series with the Blazers. I still have a mellow Nuggets jersey. I still rock it from time to time. I was, I was heartbroken when he got traded. Um, but yeah, one of my favorite players of all time. And I mean, you can, you can speak onto this a little bit. He deserves a ton of credit for like completely transforming his game going from, you know, like one of the best mid range guys to he shot like 45% from three this year. Like he's completely redefined who he is as a player. Yeah. And I, I think too redefining his like mental approach to the game too, in the sense of like when he was on the, uh, the Knicks and the nuggets, he was, you know, you could make the case that he was a top three scorer in the league, you know, and he was one of, when he was like in Denver, I mean, he was the guy, you know, and probably the best complete... ISO score. Yeah, exactly. And he was just a guy that like he needed the ball in his hands. He had to get 25 plus shots. You know, he had to make stuff happen. That was just his role. And that's what he wanted. And that was why he left, obviously left Denver to go to New York. Um, but then, you know, when you look at it now, obviously the Blazers have a ton of talent in the backcourt and they didn't really have a role for him um, to like to start and be the guy. And he just had to, you know, adapt to this whole role of coming off the bench and kind of being, you know, a sixth, seventh, eighth man. Um, and obviously too, like that was the only way he could continue to play is if he was okay with accepting the role, but you have to also give him credit. Cause I think that's hard for a lot of guys who have the status and have had the career that he's had to be able to do something like that. Yeah. I mean, shoot, when you're the top three pick in the NBA draft, you know, you're the yeah. tournament NCAA tournament MVP for Syracuse. Like you, you've been the guy since you mm. were, you know, like in high school. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it aside from aside from LeBron, when he was coming out, like Melo was, there was a point in his career where Melo was one of the biggest faces in basketball, you know, and um, to have to kind of deal with that and, you know, kind of be in the shadows a little bit. I think that's tough, but I think he's definitely done. You definitely have to give him praise and credit for that. I like that. I like that you're you're coming at this with a more rational approach. I think a lot of Nuggets fans. I don't blame them for disliking Melo. Again, it's just one of those situations. I think if you're of a certain age and it's really probably, you know, right around our age, like 21 to 26, 27, yeah. you just, you, you lived through the prime Melo. He was, you know, like our superstar athlete for all the teams, really. Like he was not just the biggest nugget. He was probably the biggest athlete in Denver outside of, yeah. you know, like Champ Bailey. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, 100%. Champ Bailey. That's, I haven't heard that name in forever, but, uh, no, I, I agree 100%. You know, he was, I mean, like you said, he was the guy here. And I think he was an icon for a lot of people and, you know, inspired a lot of people. And I definitely, like, I mean, obviously when I grew up playing basketball, I I wanted the the mellow shoes and I wanted to, I, I couldn't really rock the headband. I looked a little ridiculous with the headband on. But, you know. You I know tried so hard, but I looked yeah, so bad. Everybody, I mean, I think everybody headband. did. And everybody wanted to, he was a trendsetter around this city. And, um. So it definitely sucks to see him be treated like this. I understand it at the same time, but I think it's definitely, it's definitely cool to look back and realize that, you know, how much he did for a lot of people around here, even if people don't necessarily agree or want to believe that. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, 
plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to bet on all of the action. My friends, my family, everyone is loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Just listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, pick any basketball team that is still in contention. That $1, if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget though, DraftKings also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits just by betting on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you're going to walk away with $100 in free credits. Again, that's with the promo code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wagers paid out in site credits, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We have partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Solace has some banging deals all June long. You are not going to want to miss out. I'm talking 15% off all gold shelf concentrates, 20% off all of Wana tinctures and tarts, 20% off all of Mountain Select rosin and cartridges, 25% off all of Blues Brother joint packs. They have it all. On top of that, you can get those crazy deals and an additional 20% off your entire order when you use DNVR20 at checkout. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Just head over to solacemeds.com, purchase from there. Again, use that code DNVR20 to save 20% on your entire purchase. If you happen to hit up the Wheat Ridge location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20 as well. That's the Wheat Ridge location of Solace Meds. Head in, mention DNVR20, get 20% off everything, and a free Solace Bar or King Cone. Let's uh, let's move on a little bit and, let, and let's talk about the Paradise Jam, which obviously uh, for local basketball fans is going to be exciting. Colorado State and Colorado both participating in it this year. You, though, you have a, a pretty unique perspective. Um, you were a ball boy, I guess, growing up for the event. Yes. So talk about I, what, how that happened. I, I'm actually I'm, I'm very glad you brought this up because I think. This is a great opportunity for like fan bases of CSU and like just in general. Um, so basically, a, kind of a little background of the whole story. So my mom, she actually worked for the company that runs the Paradise Gym, this company called Basketball Travelers. And so when I was in middle school, like sixth through eighth grade, my mom would go down and work the tournament. And she would go down like two weeks early before it started. And then I would come down right for the tournament. And I was like the, not the ball boy, I guess, but I was like the floor mopper. Okay. So I would sit on the baseline and then during media timeouts, or if a guy would fall, like I would just come out with like my towel or my mop and would just mop the key basically. Um, and like, just being honest with you, I would, I would strongly consider the paradise jam as like one of the most underrated preseason tournaments in college basketball. 
I think it doesn't get a lot of recognition in the sense of like you have Maui and Atlantis where you have every team's a power five team and all the games on ESPN. So people just see it more. There's just more exposure. Yeah, there. more exposure. It's kind of like a hidden gem because nobody really knows about it a whole lot because it's it's um like it's not on ESPN. It's kind of just on. Random. It is this year, though. First time yeah, ever. It's finally yeah, going to be on so ESPN. It, which is good for the tournament because in the past years, it's been on like Flow TV or Flow Hoops. Flow or just, Hoops. Just yeah, the random. subscription sites. It's, yeah. Those are the bummer. But I will say, so they played at the University of the Virgin Islands, which is an awesome, awesome venue. It's a great, great event. It's a college gym. It's way, it's way nicer than Atlantis or Maui. Like, I think it's way nicer than both of those. And then the hotel in St. Thomas is, like, is beautiful. There's like four pools. It's right by the beach. Um, but the thing is, the thing that I was, my favorite part of the whole trip was the hotel and the gym are like kind of on opposite sides of the island. So you have to take this like these open, these no window buses, basically. That's kind of the best way to describe them. They're just buses with no windows. They have doors, but just no windows. And you just ride around the whole island and you get to see everything. And it's awesome. Um, yeah, I would definitely very strongly recommend that tournament because I think it's an experience of a lifetime. And I think it's, it's a very well-run event. It's a great event. I, I loved it. My years there, I loved it. Did that kind of, fa- I mean, with your mom working for that company, getting to experience all of that, you know, in middle school, do you think that kind of factored into you maybe going a little bit harder in high school and being like, man, I want to be able to participate in this type of stuff? I, I would say that, and it op- like, it really opened my eyes. Um, I mean, when you're sitting on the floor and with some of these guys, you realize one, you know, how big they are, but two, just how, how high the level of play is. Um, and I don't think people realize that until you're really right there in the action. Um, my last year I did it, uh, Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler run Marquette. Um, oh, so wow. that was kind of funny before the both of them obviously made it big, but that was kind of crazy to watch them. Um, I watched a Maryland team win it one year and they were really, really good, but just kind of seeing, I think Jake Lehman was on that team, the guy on the, uh, Timberwolves now. Yeah. But you kind of just like see those guys up close and personal and you're like, yeah, it motivates you. You go, man, I got to, you know, if I want to play at that level, you realize, you realize quickly um, what you need to work on and kind of what those guys are good at. And obviously some, most of it, not most of it, but some of it is stuff that you can't control. Um, some of it is you're not going to be a six, nine dude that can touch the top of the backboard. <laughs> um, but so you, you kind of had to, I kind of had to watch I tried to watch certain guys and, you know, as I was older, got older, my dad would kind of tell me this stuff. He's like, you know, watch the guards and kind of like, cause he, we both knew I wasn't going to be a bigger dude. And so, you know, kind of watch the guards and watch what they do and watch what they're good at. And then I kind of just tried to implement the things that I learned from that tournament into my own game. Um, and I did it in some areas and there's other areas that, you know, I kind of had to do my own way just in the sense of like, I'm not built like some of those guys are not as explosive or whatever it may be, you know? So definitely it was, it was a really cool learning experience for me. This might be kind of a tough one on the spot. Who are some of the, some of the guys like you try and model your game after? I mean, obviously I think everybody's game is is unique, but you know, who in the NBA do you like, like to watch? Like, man, like, I'd like to make like that type of impact, right? I'd like the way that this guy plays. I'd like to play that way. Yeah. For me, it's, it kind of just depends on what aspect of the game, like I want to, I'm looking at. Um, so I don't necessarily just look at one guy and say, I want to be him. You know, I try yeah. to implement a combination of different things like into my game. I would say I'm a little bit of not a huge guard, but I'm a little bit of a bigger guard. Um, and so guys, I kind of try and w- I watch a lot of are like, 
like, I mean, when it comes to, you know, pick and roll stuff, I'll watch Luca a lot. I liked um, Goran Dragic from the uh, Heat just because he's a lefty, too. He's kind of built like me. I watched a lot of Mike Conley, too, because um, we're kind of the same build, Love same kind of figure. Uh, so just guys like that, you know. And then when it comes to, like, defensively or leadership, there's just all different kinds of guys that I watch. I mean, I love – I don't. this take probably won't go over well with a lot of fans, but I love watching Draymond Green, like, just his knowledge of the game, like, defensively and how he – you know, conducts everything on the floor and how he like figures things out. I really like that. Um, I also loved Gary Harris when he was on the Nuggets. I did too. I have his jersey, and that was like a controversial thing because people he kind of struggled with his jump shot for a couple years. But yeah. I was just like, watch the games, guys. He's doing a lot more than hit threes. Like they don't win that Clippers series. No, yeah, Gary and Harris just you Utah know, last year as a perimeter defender and trying to figure out, you know. Um, I had to be a little bit smarter with how I try to like guard guys and watching a guy like Gary Harris, you could obviously tell he's very smart and he's just a really, really good defender. Um, so I kind of try to watch him too in that regard. So to answer your question, th- those are some guys I try to model my game after. It just kind of depends on what um, aspect of the game you're looking at. Who are like your favorite players in the league right now? I mean, you don't you just whatever that means to you. Oof, my favorite players in the league this is i still i just still love watching d rose um he was cool to see his revival yeah i i think it i think i just like him because of his whole story and it's still cool to see him doing well i don't i mean honestly i'm not going to sit here and say i have like a favorite favorite player i kind of just watch the game i do love dame um you when know, he's on fire, like the other night, dude, I was just laughing. Like I'm a Nuggets fan, and I'm like, he's gonna kill us. And no, you just yeah, have to I appreciate mean, it. I think I just love watching him, just because. Yeah, like you said, he's just so fun to watch. I like watching Steph a lot too. I wouldn't necessarily say I have a favorite player. I just have a bunch of guys that I really like enjoy watching. I think it's cool right now because there's good parody around the league. Like you've got superstars all over. You know, it's. I enjoyed the Miami Heat big three and like I enjoyed watching those prime Golden State Warriors teams, but you know, it kind of felt inevitable. Like these teams are going to win it all. And right now, I mean, you look at like Embiid and Simmons in Philadelphia or like what Luca's doing in Dallas. And I mean, Jokic in Denver, like Utah's got Gobert and Mitchell. There's just so many good players that you have to watch. It's yeah. Like, it's one of the most fun times to be a basketball fan of my life. I think. No. Yeah. I, I think it's a combination of that and the fact that every, you know, quote unquote superstar in the league is kind of different in their own sense. Like each yeah. player kind of plays a different style of basketball, you know, and I think that's what makes it fun too. Is there's so many different, like when you watch a game, you're never going to see like two of the same guys just doing the same thing. You know, you're going to see a guy in, you know, Lillard that's shooting from 40 feet. And then you got a guy in Luca who's just like, slicing and dicing and just controlling the whole game. And so, or, you know, even in the Blazers Nuggets series, it's like the best player on the Blazers is Lillard shooting from 60 feet, bringing the ball up every time. And then you got Jokic who's a point forward and just making everything happen like all over the game. So I think stuff like that is just really cool for the game. I'm a sucker for, for Jokic and Luka right now. Those are probably my two favorite, but it's just because I like watching guys that look like they're playing in slow motion against these just freakish athletes that are so explosive. Yeah. And they're just, they're doing whatever they want out there. Like it's just gorgeous fundamentals. No. Yeah. And I, (laughs) yeah, I agree. And the thing I like about basketball right now too, is it's developed so much in terms of skill. Like guys are so much more skilled now. Um, But you could also make the argument too, that the game has just gotten like, 
they're bigger in general. Like there's just so much more size and athleticism. And so it's a combination of that and the skill level of the league. I think it's just so fun to watch, you know, and people always say like, Oh guys in the NBA, you know, don't play defense or this and that. And it's like, when you really sit down and like break down the game and watch the game, it's like, those guys are, you know, it's the highest level of basketball in the world. It's not even close. And so I think that's what makes it so fun to watch um, is there's just so many different aspects of the game that have evolved that make it such a, great value of entertainment for us as fans as for a 21 year old kid sitting on his couch watching hoops. I mean, there are random games where you'll watch where the defensive intensity isn't quite there, but I think overall that's kind of a, a misconception. I think it's just, like you said, th- these guys are such good shot creators. They're such good shot makers. And I mean, Austin rivers was defending contesting a lot of those Damian Lillard threes, like really well about as well as you can without fouling. And there's nothing you can do. Like, they're just mm-hmm. going to fall. He's that good. Yeah. No, yeah. And the, the, the clip of him where he's, like, praising God after he made the shot, <laughs> I mean, that's, just, that's crazy. I mean, it just shows you that's how good guys in this league are. You know, guys are literally just praying to the man above that the guy they're guarding misses a shot. And I think when you watch that and you see guys kind of develop their legacy, like, right in front of your own eyes, it's really cool. Um because for me, obviously, I wasn't around in the 80s and the 90s. And so I just hear about all these guys kind of developing their legacy from like adults and my parents and this and that. I never got to watch them. But to watch these guys kind of build their story, like in front of my own eyes, like watch it. That's what makes it cool for me. You know, as I can look back on 10 years from now and be like, oh, I remember when, you know, Lillard hit six 40 footers and overtime and double or just stuff like that. You know, it makes it really fun to watch. That's kind of like me with LeBron that I'll be honest. You know, Lakers LeBron is not my favorite of, of his entire career. I think he's gotten a little bit whiny, but he's my favorite player of all time just because I've gotten to watch him, you know, my entire life. And just, I mean, what he's done, like you'll think back to like the block in Cleveland or yeah. you know, just some of the alley-oops with D-Wade in Miami and just like seeing him grow like right in front of us. Um, I don't know. It's just cool. It's cool to see all these guys. I'm glad that they did have the the last dance last year, though, because you know, I like I got to watch MJ games on YouTube and stuff, but it was cool to just see like the high quality film and see, you know, people talk about like it wasn't just basketball. Like he was just so massive culturally. Like yeah. I would have loved to have experienced just what that was like. Mm-hmm. No, 100 percent. And I, I I agree with you completely. I'm glad you brought up the LeBron thing because I'm actually a LeBron guy, too. But I think it's just interesting to yeah to kind of see the whole legacy of both him and Jordan. Um, and you could kind of compare them. I think the documentary was released at a perfect time, not just in the sense of there was absolutely nothing going on. Like there was actually nothing in the world going on, but I think it was kind of the peak point of the whole LeBron MJ debate, you know? And it's like LeBron was starting to gain a lot of prevalence just in the sense of MJ was in the shadows just because he had been retired for however many years. And so to bring MJ back to life, I think a lot of people then were like, Oh, and it just stirred up so many debates and it kind of brought that whole conversation like back to life. And it kind of hit its peak around that, um, that point in time. So I thought, I thought that was really, that was really cool about it too. I think you're spot on there. I think it was definitely calculated from MJ. Like, Oh, you want to say, you want to say this guy's the goat? Like MJ definitely had a say in releasing that documentary early. Like he definitely had, he definitely had a say because he, he, yeah. People are starting to question a little bit. And he's like, all right, release the documentary right now. <laughs> they they probably had that thing done for like three years. And MJ was just sitting there waiting for the perfect moment. It's like, okay, release it right now. It's like that, uh, that meme when he's like, and I took that personally. Or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, 100%. 
Well, Sam, this was a blast, man. Thank you for coming on and talking hoops with me. I'm really looking forward to, you know, doing more of this with you throughout the NBA playoffs throughout the summer. I know you're, you're trying to enjoy your summer vacation for the first time ever. So I appreciate you taking this time out, but you know, I, I hope that this ends up being, you know, an experience that you enjoy as well. Yeah, no, definitely, man. This has been a ton of fun for me. Um, kind of for the people out there that don't really know, uh, sports media and stuff like that has been something that I've been really interested in doing. Um, and so I've been meeting up with Justin every now and again to hop on the pod and do stuff like this. And so I love it, man. I've had a ton of fun doing this. Can't wait to keep, keep doing it moving forward. And, uh, Keep the ball rolling a little bit. Keep dissecting the hoop scene around here. I'm excited. Make sure you guys give Sam a follow on Twitter. Check out his podcast, too. He's got his own podcast going. Um, is that He's available freshly, on all streaming? Freshly implemented studio, too, I must add. So we can do in-person stuff now. It's, it's, it's on the rise, for sure. To the moon, baby. To the moon. To the moon. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I